Did you know that each episode of the Digitally Irresistible podcast is recorded on video? You can access the video by clicking the episode notes on your podcast player. Scroll to the bottom of the notes and click on the video link. Or just visit the iCore YouTube channel. You're listening to the Digitally Irresistible podcast, where we cover the optimization of digital technologies and irresistible people. Brought to you by iCore. Each episode features someone who sheds a little more light on the ins and outs of delivering a great employee and customer experience that has a measurable impact on the business. And now, here's today's guest. Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Digitally Resistible Podcast. I'm your host, Bernie Borges. Today's guest is Mary Drummond. Welcome, Mary. Hey, Bernie. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, thanks for being here today. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Mary, you are the CMO of Worthix, uh, a leader in the voice of the customer technology solutions, and you have a deep understanding of the struggles that brands have when they're surveying their customers in their attempt to learn why customers make purchase decisions or why customers decide to abandon their brand. So on this episode, I want to tap into your expertise on this subject to share your insights into effective listening to the voice of the customer at scale. But first, let's begin with your introduction, Mary. Tell us about your role at Worthix and a brief uh, career backstory. Yeah, so uh, I'm, I am, like you said, the chief marketing officer at Worthix. And interestingly, I didn't start off in customer experience or marketing at all. I started off as an entrepreneur. So I have an entrepreneur background um, which was how I started my career when I was really young. I was 17, 18 when I got started down that path. And the first 15 years of my career was in a leadership role leading my own company. And then uh, when I relocated to San Francisco in 2016, interestingly, I kind of had a clean slate. I had a chance to pick what I wanted to do um, because I left my business behind, ended up selling it. And marketing was the one thing that kind of always stood out to me as being interesting, especially because it's so organic, it's so fluid, it's constantly in flux, constantly changing. And that idea of choosing a career and a profession that I would need to be constantly learning kind of felt exciting for me. So I dove right in. And when I started off as chief marketing officer at Worthix, that kind of propelled me into the customer experience stage, let's say. And I had the opportunity to meet so many brilliant minds in customer experience and learn so much. After a while, I think that it, I, I, I saturated that knowledge to a point where I was kind of regurgitating it myself. And almost by accident, I became an expert in this space. But I'm really grateful because it's such a great, uh, harmonious, empathetic industry. And I'm lucky to be a part of it. Yeah. So you've logged your 10,000 hours and you're officially an expert. <laughs> That's <Exactly>. great. <laughs> so Mary, let's begin with the big why question. And that is, why is it so important for brands to really even be effective at listening to the voice of their customers and to be able to do it at scale? Yeah. Well, you know, the first part of that question is, you know, why is it so important to be connected to the customer? Um, companies exist for the sole purpose 
of reaching a common goal. So companies are a group of individuals working together to reach that common goal. And that goal is to solve a pain point or a need of the customer. So starting by understanding the customer's needs is absolutely crucial to the success of any organization in the world. None are an exception. So the best way to find out what the customer needs, what their frustrations are, what their expectations are, is to listen. And even though listening uh, sounds doable and possible when you have a small operation, sometimes as you scale, as you grow, that listening becomes more and more challenging. Luckily, today we have technology in place that allows us to scale listening so that no matter how many customers you have or how many markets you're in, you're still able to have that one-on-one connection with each customer and you're able to truly understand what matters to them so that you can do the best possible job at serving them. You know, I like the fact that you mentioned that we've got technology available to us. You know, once upon a time, uh, Henry Ford probably didn't have much technology available to him when he was trying to listen to his customer. And he had some insights that really inspired him to didn't not not to invent a faster horse buggy, but to invent a, a vehicle. But in more recent decades, technology, as you point out, Mary, has become available. But despite the fact that technology has been available, a lot of companies still struggle with listening to the voice of the customer and doing it at scale. So what's broken about this current approach to listening to the customer? I think that one of the most important things is that voice of customer as we know it the traditional way of soliciting feedback from, from your customer is been around has been around for a hundred years. You know, believe it or not, even though we've made enormous strides when it comes to the digitization of this process, not much has been done with methodology and how we not only collect, but how we listen. So one thing that's really important is why is it that that methodology has taken so long to evolve? The market has definitely evolved, especially in the last two decades. So being able to truly understand that perhaps the systems that you have in place aren't giving you the best feedback and the best answers and the deepest insight into your customers. And it's not what they want. It's what they need. It's understanding which need they're trying to solve with you, whether it's superfluous or whether it's, um, uh, how can I even say that, essential. It's still what they need. And how are you um, aligning your value proposition to that need, right? So lots of people say, okay, a customer needs a car. No, they don't need a car. The car is not the need. The need is transportation, whether they're going to get that through a horse and buggy, through a car, or through a flying vehicle a couple years from now. It it doesn't matter. Transportation is that need, and and that's the thing that you need to focus on. Everything else is just expectations of the market from technology and innovation and how the customer perceives the market changing around them. Now, what ends up happening is that when customers are elicited feedback You have a system in place that's a really, normally a really long, really high effort questionnaire where the company tries to get the most from their customers, but it puts customers in a situation where their responses are limited to the questions that the company is asking. And it's truly impossible for the company to ask all the questions or even to know what the right questions are. Mm -hmm. So Making a questionnaire ends up involving a lot of guesswork, 
where people are trying to empathize with their customer and trying to understand what their biggest pain points would be and creating questions around that. But that creates a lot of blind spots because once again, that feedback is limited to the questions that the company is asking. But what if the customer is seeing something in an entirely different way? What if the customer has needs that aren't even showing up on the roadmap that you created as an organization, right? And then what ends up happening is that companies are extracting an enormous amount of data, exhausting customers with survey requests. And I see, I, I think, I feel that it would be worth it at the end of the day if companies could actually use this data to solve customers' pain points or to provide them with a better experience. But the truth is that that doesn't happen either. There's so much data that finding out what truly matters to customers ends up being a needle in the haystack. Yeah. So there's there's two sides for it. At, at the moment, it's an uncomfortable experience for customers. And it's a bad experience for companies as well, who then have to kind of sort through all of that data to try to find something that's actionable in order to improve customer experience. So it's really high time for an entire overhaul of the voice of customer technology uh, space. At iCore, we love being accessible to your customers when and where they want. Seamless and easy, the way CX should be. Discover why top brands trust iCore for their omni-channel support. Smile with iCore. Learn more at iCore.com. You know, Mira, I read something on your website, the worthix.com website, that really spoke to me. And what I read was that sometimes the customer who's being surveyed or asked for feedback doesn't really even know themselves how to express themselves to give relevant and valid feedback. And I know that Worthix harnesses and leverages AI in the process of capturing feedback and information from the voice of the customer. So if you would, can you share an example of a brand that's actually harnessing AI for their voice of the customer? Yeah, well, I think that there's a really important thing that you touched on right there, which is why it's so difficult for companies uh, to capture when customers themselves don't really know how to express things, right? And, and that's when we're talking about intangible concepts. Intangible concepts are really hard to explain. They're really hard to express. How do you express social proof or brand identification in your own words? It's, it's really, really difficult. We found a way, we created a methodology um, that has a lot of behavior science and other things like that to truly understand motivators, even when they're intangible. But the most important thing is understanding that simply because customers complain a lot about a certain experience, it does not mean that that experience is a deal breaker for them. So, you know, a really good example is, you know, my internet provider. My internet provider, if someone were to ask me if I were satisfied with my internet provider, my answer would be no. No, I am not satisfied with my internet provider. If they were to ask if I was likely to recommend, I would say, absolutely not. I wish this upon no one, right? <laughs> but if they were to ask me, are you going to continue buying from the service provider or are you going to churn? Guess what? I stay with them, even though I'm not satisfied and I'm not recommending them. So even though there is a high frequency of complaints, it doesn't mean that that company is actually 
messing up the experience enough to cause me to leave. Because as a consumer, I understand that I'm going to have these problems anywhere I go. So when I weigh out all the pros and cons, it's still worth it for me to stay with this company. And that's why it's so important for companies to understand impact versus frequency. So I know that I'm getting a little bit off topic of your question, but I'm trying to provide a context for my story. So what you're saying is, is what's what's the impact of the feedback versus just the noise, the loud noise that you know a brand might be hearing from their customers? Absolutely. So, like if Bernie, Bernie, if you were a VP at an organization and you had a limited budget and you could only invest in fixing one experience, which experience would you choose to fix? the one that people complain about the most or the one that's causing people to churn? Churn. It's a, it's a pretty straightforward yeah. answer, right? So how yeah. do companies, how do companies actually find this? You know, so a company that we worked with a couple years ago, they were like a large um, uh, subscription, like media company that had magazine subscriptions that was delivered to people's homes. And they were having a massive churn problem in a certain region of the country. So all of their, uh, customer service and voice of customer feedback was telling them that the reason people were churning was because the magazine was arriving at the newsstands before arriving in people's homes. And they were prepared to make a massive investment in trying to improve the logistics so that the magazine would get there sooner. Now, when Worthix came in, we found out that, yes, that definitely was the number one complaint. And people were unhappy about that. And it needed to be addressed but it wasn't urgent because that was not causing churn. What was truly causing churn was a complaint that was in seventh place on the ranking of frequent questions. Hmm. Which executive is going all the way down to seventh place right. and focusing on that? Right. And it, what it was was a credit card dispute where customers thought that they were going to pay X amount and they were going to they were being charged Y. And ultimately, hmm. the fix for this churn problem was simply to speak to the sales team or the new acquisitions team and say, hey, the numbers are wrong. You just have to tell people that they're paying Y and not X. And it costed zero right. dollars to fix that churn. So yeah. ultimately, the company would have invested a massive budget into overhauling the logistics. And in truth, is it wouldn't have stopped the churn at all. Right. So that's a right. pretty good example of how important it is to look oh, that's a at great impact example. over frequency. That's a great example. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Mary. I want to shift gears because I'm watching our time. Um, for those that are watching on video, uh, you've got a really cool poster there uh, in your background. Uh, and that is the Voices of CX. That is a podcast, Mary, that you host. And today I've got you on the other side of the microphone. I hope you're enjoying it. It's refreshing. <laughs> um, tell us about your podcast, Voices of CX podcast. So, you know, since we do focus on voice of customer, what we wanted to do was provide the industry with a way to listen to the voices of CX practitioners the individuals who are behind the scenes working so hard to make CX possible inside of organizations. So we speak to thought leaders, we speak to authors, but mostly we speak to practitioners who are on the front lines, truly implementing positive experiences for their customers. And we just reached a massive milestone. We hit our 100th episode, which is amazing. And we are at an all-time high for listens and downloads and even streaming 
of the video uh, podcast. And we've launched a new video series based on the podcast called CX in Summary. So it's a really exciting time for us and we're really proud. Well, congratulations. Uh, I've begun listening to the podcast. I mentioned to you that I listened to episode 100 and I'm enjoying it. And I plan to continue to listen to more. In fact, I'm going back in the archive to pick up on some of those first 100 episodes that I that I missed. So congratulations on the milestone and the success that you're having with the podcast and the video series. I want to shift gears with you one more time, Mary, before I get to my last and final question. So this is my second to last question. And that is, you're a woman in CX. So how do you see the role of women in CX evolving? You know, someone did some research and I, I don't know who, and I don't know the specifics <laughs> off the top of my head, but I do know it showed that the large majority of people working in customer experience were women. Uh, the interesting thing is that most of these roles were operational or um, mid to low management. There were very few women that were actually in the driver's seat, making the decisions and controlling the budget for customer experience. And that's remarkable for me, in fact, and, and not in a good way. So why is it that it's it's an industry that's so filled with women who are naturally empathetic, who are naturally compassionate, who have a strong um, way of connecting to customers kind of on that one-on-one -on -one level? Why is it that when it comes to the leadership, there are so many more men in power? And I'm pretty sure I can get really deep into why that is and go back hundreds of years to track why that's happening. But what I do know is that we definitely start remedying it because some of the most amazing minds that I know in customer experience are women. There are leaders out there, um, to mention a few, Stacey Sherman, Tiffany Bova, Paula Friedrich, that are absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I try on my podcast to shine a spotlight on those women uh, because it's so crucial for individuals, for practitioners to feel represented and to know that there is a clear career path to leadership at the end of the day. So that's kind of what my focus is. And that's what I feel my role is in customer experience is shining a, a really bright and beautiful spotlight on these women who are so amazing. Well, thank you for doing that, Mary. I think you're doing an excellent job of that. And I think it's going to, it's going to help. It's going to, it's going to have an impact. So keep doing it, keep fighting the good fight because it's worth it. So thank you, Mary. We do get to my last and final question. And that is it's tradition here on the digitally irresistible podcast. We always like to ask each guest when you are not working, what do you like to do for fun? I mean, I'd love to say something like, oh, I, I don't know, I crochet, but <laughs> in fact, I'm a really active person and I spend a lot of time at the gym and um, I, I practice Olympic weightlifting as a sport. So that's lifting really heavy weight over my head. And I've been doing it for quite a few years and it's really invigorating and it's really exciting. And I learned so much from it as a sport. And the most important thing that I bring from my sport into my life is that when you're practicing weightlifting, one thing that happens is you're constantly pushing your limits and you're constantly pushing to failure. Because once you fail, you know that you need to scale back, decrease the weight, increase the repetitions, practice, focus your technique, and then go and hit that weight again. So that's something that I definitely apply in my career and in my personal life, which is failure simply means 
that you've reached your limit and it's time to scale back and work on your technique and tweak it a little bit and then go back and do it again. Failure is definitely not the end. It's just a hiccup in the middle of your path. So yeah, I guess in, in a way, that's how I've um, meshed my sport with my profession and my personal yeah. life. I love that. I love the metaphor. I love the fact that it's a real inspiration. And I love the fact that you just, you, you just do that. And you, you know, you, you, you shared that as your response to what do you do for fun? And so clearly it's something that you enjoy doing, but it also yeah. has a significant impact on your perspective on life. And, and that's, that's outstanding. Thank you for sharing that. And Mary, just thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me here today on this episode of the Digitally Irresistible podcast. You know, what you and your team at Worthix are doing uh, is really, it's having an impact on companies' ability to really glean great insights from their customers so that they can be more effective and and listen at scale. So thank you for sharing your insights. Thank you for sharing uh, your inspiration. Congratulations again on your podcast. Keep it going. Um, I'm a listener now. And again, just thanks for joining me here today. Awesome. It was great being here, Bernie. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Digitally Irresistible Podcast, where we cover the optimization of digital technologies and irresistible people, delivering a great employee and customer experience that has a measurable impact on the business. Brought to you by iCore. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss future episodes.